0: Hi, welcome to Project Healing, a podcast whose mission is to shed light on true self-care, healing our inner demons, and connecting the world in deeper and more meaningful ways. We all have a story to share, and we're very excited to be a part of helping everyone to share their own along the path of their healing journey. I'm your host, Catherine Galvin, psychic medium and intuitive healer, And with me, I have my co-host. I'm Jenna Korzynski,
1: empathic, intuitive healer and medium. I believe that we have to feel our pain in order to heal it, and that community is a huge part of that process.
0: Thank you for being on this journey with us.
1: Trigger warning. In this episode, we discuss suicide. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. In the year 2018, 48,344 people died by suicide. In the year 2018, there were also 1.4 million suicide attempts. There is an average of 132 suicides per day. This is not a rare occurrence. If you or someone you know are struggling, please text the word TALK to 741 741 and please reach out for help. Welcome back to project healing this week. We have Dr. Kristen Driscoll with us. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. We're smiles because we're friends, but we are actually talking about a very heavy topic this evening. So, back in the springtime, um, Kristen and her family faced a pretty difficult situation. And Kristen is here today to walk us through that situation. And Catherine and I are here to listen and support her. And Kristen, whenever you're ready, we're going to hop okay. right into it.
2: All right. Well, um, so my 13-year-old daughter, Liz, she... Um, has been struggling with some like depression and anxiety symptoms for a couple, well, for maybe a two years now. And, um, you know, she'd been going to therapy and it was okay. Um, and then right before the beginning of this past school year, her doctor put her on medication because we finally were feeling like nothing's really improving for her. So they put her on a medication and you know, it, I didn't really feel like it was doing very much, but we did our due diligence and had her on it for a while. And then the pandemic hit and, um, you know, the kids were over a weekend suddenly in a hundred percent virtual school. And so she was a seventh grader and um, she was struggling in the beginning of the year with like keeping track of all of her things you know eight classes a day all the different assignments and now it was all online and she um, just struggled with all of the different expectations um, you know teachers I'm a teacher too so I, I know this is no judgment but you know we were in crisis teaching mode so teachers weren't necessarily talking to each other and they weren't necessarily thinking about how much they were loading on the kids, so she was insanely overloaded. And um, one day, I caught her not doing her work when she said she was doing it, and she kind of she completely shut down and she said, "I think I need to go to the hospital." And I said, "Why?" And she said, "Because I'm having scary thoughts." And I said, "Thoughts that you're going to hurt yourself?" And she said, "Yes." So I took her to the emergency room, and gosh, we were there forever, and she saw the child psych people, and after seeing a million people and answering the same questions over and over, they said, you know, they didn't feel like she was a threat to herself or anything, so they sent us home. So I don't know, maybe only two weeks after that, um, one night as she, um, woke me up. She came into my room at one 30 in the morning and woke me up. And she said, mom, I have to go to the hospital. And I said, why? And she said, I took a lot of pills and I almost had a heart attack. So I struggle with depression as well. And I take two different medications for it. So she took a handful, each of both of mine and a handful of hers. And, um, so, um, you know, I rushed her to the emergency room and we went through the hole. They had to pump her stomach and she, um, what she took of mine, it was such a high dose that they had to watch her for 24 hours. Um, because she could have had a seizure. So she was in the medical part of the hospital for like, it ended up being more like 48 hours that they watched her. And then, um, The people from like the psych unit came to talk to her, to talk to me. And they said, you know, based on, you know, two weeks ago and based on what she did, we really think that inpatient therapy is what she needs right now. And I knew they were going to say it. I knew it was coming. And um, but to be honest. And I felt terrible thinking this, but I was almost relieved that they said it. Because I was kind of terrified to bring her home. Because um, I didn't want her to do it again. So. Um, but when I told her. She had a panic attack. Like I've never seen in my life. And it took. So many. Nurses and. Orderlies to like. Get her out of that room. And walk completely across the hospital. To go over to. The psych unit. And. And it was awful to watch. And, um, you know, then they did their intake over there and she just kept begging me to not leave her there. Just, I can't even put into words what that felt like. Um, so, um, she was there for a week. I stayed there with her the first night, but because of COVID, like, I couldn't really, see her a ton and stay there much, but I did. I got to see her every day. I went every single day. And, um, she ended up liking it there. She liked the girls that she was with and she was feeling like they get it. Like they're struggling with all the same things I am. And she was just so young compared to the rest. She, you know, had only just turned 13 and those, the other girls were like 16, 18. And I just, I don't know. It's like she grew up a whole lot in that week. Um, And then she had to do partial inpatient therapy, which typically would be she's at the hospital all day and then would come home at night. Um, But because of COVID, they did it all on Zoom. So she got to come home and was home, but was on Zoom for like, I want to say like four hours a day maybe even five hours a day. I don't remember now. But um, so that lasted for six weeks. So that whole time, you know, I I wasn't allowed to listen to whatever they talked about because of the other kids being Mm. in there and the sensitive issues they were talking about, which I totally understood. But um, I just... I was so terrified the whole time because I felt like, what if she does it again? She's learning things and strategies and all of that. But I didn't know what she was learning. All I know is that I had to sign like a family. Um, I forgot what they called it, like a, a emergency plan, or whatever it was. That was like our plan for at home. So I had to lock up every medication in the house. I had to lock up any sharps in the house. Um so like she had to ask me for her medication every day and I had to like go and get the key and unlock it. And it was like such a process, but I still was just so, I don't know. It was just the worst to know that she was feeling things about herself and she wasn't talking to me about it. I think she was probably talked out because she was talking all day about yeah. it. Um, and then when she was done with that, she, they put her in outpatient therapy, which, um, was once a week, an hour once a week, and I had to go to it with her. And that was the first time I heard her talk about anything or, like, learned any of the strategies that they taught them, um, which honestly are, like, good strategies for anyone in life. But um, she she wouldn't talk. Like, and it's not – she talks to me. She's, like, very much a mama's girl. So it's not like she hides things from me. But she – didn't want to talk about it in front of me. And a couple of times it just came out that she felt like she was carrying this shame and this guilt because of how it affected me, like seeing me upset when she was in the emergency room and then seeing me upset when she was upset, when she was admitted. And, um, she said to me like towards the end when she was about to be discharged, she said, I just didn't want to do any more to you. I didn't want to hurt you anymore. So I'm keeping it all to myself. And, you know, I, I just felt so awful. She's such a, she's always been such a sensitive girl. Like when kids in her class would get in in trouble, she'd cry (laughs) or like her sister would get in trouble. She cries. Um, She always befriends the people nobody wants to be friends with. I mean, she's just such a kind heart. So, of course, she was thinking of me above herself. And it just was so, like, that almost broke my heart even more because I felt like, I don't know. Now I'm, like, constantly, I don't think I've slept through the night since that happened because I'm just so terrified that
1: something will happen again. Right. Yeah, I can understand that. That's got to be really difficult. Do you stay with her at night? Do you go in and stay with her sometimes?
2: No, she really likes um, being by herself. And that was actually one of the things that they made her work on was not isolating. So at night, I just give her that space. I hear her up in her room. She's constantly singing. So I definitely hear her up there. <laughs> but, or dancing. But um I mean, I would like, we would hang out and have like, we'd play games or whatever, have talking time right before she'd go to bed. But um, I just like, as she, I can, my door is right where the stairs down from her room are. So if she comes out of her room, I hear it. And it doesn't matter if I'm in a deep sleep or not. I hear her as soon as she opens that door. So, um, so I at least know that if something were to happen, I'd wake up, but I don't know. So I kind of am living in that constant state of worry. And now with school coming up again, I am just beside myself. Like, I don't even know what to think because she, um, well, I was able to get her a 504 plan by the end of the school year. Keep in mind, all that time that she was in the hospital, she didn't do school. Because usually when kids right. are in the hospital, they have teachers come in, but they couldn't because yeah. of COVID.
0: Can I interrupt for a quick second, yeah. too? And for people who don't know what a 504 plan is, can you just explain that for, yep. for others? Thank you.
2: Yep. So if, um, you know, there are IEPs for students who have disabilities, but for a student who has some kind of um issue, but they don't qualify for an IEP, they can get a 504. So that could be things like asthma. It could be things like um, needing things for learning. For her, we got it for her because she had three diagnoses and one was social anxiety disorder. So um, we were able to get her some accommodations. And what they do is just list for teachers what are those extra things that they need or different things they need in the classroom to be successful.
0: Okay. And that's an individualized education. Is that plan? That's what an or? IEP is. Okay. Yeah. A 504 okay,
2: is sure. a number. Cause it's like a,
0: a regulation part of a manual or that, something somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Yeah. Just double checking for those of us <laughs> not thrown in the education community. I'm sorry for interrupting.
1: <laughs>
2: no, 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 you're fine. Um, but yeah, so she hasn't done school since the last day of school. For them was March 13th. And so she hasn't actually oh, wow. done school. And once she got out of partial impatient, I tried to have her do some stuff because it was like June ish. And I thought, oh, maybe she can do just a few things just to feel like she could catch up. And every time I brought it up, she would shut right down. And mm-hmm. I just didn't feel comfortable pushing it. So now once it hit August, her school has summer reading assignments that are due the first day of school. And that has been like literally a daily struggle getting her to do that because I'm towing the line between like, you got to get it done. It's a, it's a grade and she's going into eighth grade now. And like, you can't mess up with the grades anymore, but I also don't want to, you know, push her too far where her anxiety amps up too much, you know? Right. So
1: now when you, I want to, take this back a little bit to when you guys went in the first time when Mm -hmm. she was having those um, thoughts and said, Mm -hmm. Mom, I I need to go to the hospital. Now, you said that they assessed her Mm -hmm. and they deemed it unnecessary for her to be there and that she was not a threat to herself. Mm -hmm. What did that process look like from a parent perspective? Because I'm over here thinking, if this is my child and they're saying they're going to hurt themselves and they're looking for the help, it almost feels like she was like pushed away in a way. And, you know, I'm just curious to see how, what that looked like for you guys and how that felt for you being her mom.
2: Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't allowed in to a lot of the, like, it felt like she was being interviewed by a bunch of different people. Um, And only one or two people maybe ever talked to me about it. So I really didn't even know what they were asking her. Um, But by the time they brought us both in at the end, um, they had said, well, she doesn't have a concrete plan in place to hurt herself. So that's why we feel like it's okay. Like she's saying, I want to hurt myself, but she doesn't know how she'd go about doing it. So they felt like it was okay. So I guess, I don't know, I guess for them, it's the whole, it's more of an issue if they think further in terms of having steps that they would take, they didn't think that she would. I guess.
0: I don't Forgive know. Forgive me was, for um, sounding crass, but what the fuck?
2: I know how. I, yeah. I know. But and I, you know, wow. I'm. I at least have my head screwed on, right? So, like, I was thinking about all these things, and like, really. But at the time, I was also thinking, oh my god, admitting her into the hospital. I mean, I well, felt like is that. Right like too much, but then I kind of was starting to feel that, oh my gosh, no, I need to watch her all the time at home and it's making me nervous. I mean, it was just, that sucked. But yeah. I mean, she's a kid who wouldn't hurt a fly. So the fact that she did do anything shocked me. I honestly never would have thought that she would do anything to hurt herself. It ended up, it was the medication that she was on. Yeah. You know how some medication they say, can cause suicidal thoughts. She was being treated more for her depression than the anxiety. And I guess whatever medication it was, it exacerbated the anxiety. So that's why. So now she's on something different and she is a completely different kid, which thank God. But um, yeah, that first time, I don't know. I just, I was in shock and I, I don't know the whole process. We were there for like, I don't even know, seven hours. It was awful. And everything was weird because of COVID we couldn't go in normal places and we couldn't like eat food and we couldn't, it was just kind of a nightmare. And even the place that we were in looked awful. Like it looked like jail, which where she ended up didn't even look that bad. I don't know where we were in the hospital in comparison to where she ended up, but like there was a kid who clearly has like some kind of developmental, issue he was like being all inappropriate in the corner like he was 18 and being inappropriate with his body and so you know Liz is looking at that like oh my god and then there was this other girl who was like talking to herself and the whole time Liz was looking around like oh my god and as a parent I was thinking I can't leave her here that's right. insane I mean so yeah that was, yeah, I did I honestly, I don't know. I thought honestly, I don't even know what I thought. My head was kind of all over the place because I just was so shocked that she said that she was thinking those things, knowing that she's yeah. such a such a high, kind-hearted kid. I know she's always been really hard on a shelf, but I never thought that she like her brain would take her there, you know,
1: right right. Yes. Now you have another daughter as well. Mm-hmm. So you had to navigate through that situation too. Yep. How did her sister handle everything? And the, what did that look like for you guys? Um, I'm sure, you know, you said you went in at one in the morning, right? Is mm-hmm. that when she woke you up? Yep. So will you walk so my, us through that?
2: Yeah. My other daughter, happened to be sleeping on the couch in the living room um and so she heard us come downstairs so she woke up and I said you know I just said I have to take Liz to the hospital and she's 11 and she has stayed home by herself before I don't like I I didn't like that I had to leave her home in the middle of the night but I knew because of COVID I couldn't take her with me anyway um right so um when we got to the hospital, I did call a friend to um, ask if she would go over in the morning. She didn't answer because, you know, it was the middle of the night. But she called me back at like, I don't know, I want to say six in the morning. And she went over and hung out with my other daughter. And she ended up taking her to her house. So at least um, I didn't have to worry about that so much. I had to stay with Liz in the hospital when she was in like the medical part of the hospital. I wasn't allowed right. to leave and come back. So that was like a, a stress. I mean, worrying about my other daughter because I couldn't even talk to her. I couldn't really see her. I didn't know how she was handling things for two whole days. I didn't get to see her. Um, but then, I mean, I'm so grateful for, you know, the friend who had her because she like was just talking to her. Like she was a real person. like, recognizing it was hard and um, saying if, she, you know, she could talk about it, if she feels certain things, it's okay. And um, she didn't really give anything away. She's not the kind of kid that likes to talk about her feelings. Um, mm-hmm. So she didn't really give anything away. Um, then when Liz was in inpatient, I would go for like an hour or two every day. So I would come back home and, you know, have plenty of time with Abby, my other daughter, Um And that's when she kind of opened up a little bit. She was uncomfortable because she didn't see what it looked like there. I mean, she had in her head some vision of, I don't know what, um, you know, where her sister was. So, and she was really anxious for her to come home. Like every day, I'd come back home and she'd be like, "Is she coming home today?" And I'd have to say, "No." Um. But she, I, she. I don't know. She handled it differently than I thought she would, although I don't really know how she, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect, how she would handle it. She's a strong right. kid, so she didn't, you know... She was really worried about her sister. And yes. when she came home, she was very... She's actually always been protective of Liz, even though she's two years younger. <laughs> Just because Liz is very, like, sensitive. She doesn't speak up for herself. And... Abby completely does. So, um, so it was actually, it was really cute to see that when, uh, when she came home, but then I did notice Abby was having all those worries that I did. Like Mm. she picked out the thing that I had to get to lock up all the stuff. And she was the one who made sure like Liz didn't know where the key was. And, you know, she was really, um, um on top of all that because she i think you know she was scared and but she couldn't put that into words i guess
1: right right now you mentioned that when you guys were going through um i believe it was like the therapy services side of it you, you they gave you guys some coping strategies mm-hmm. um what would you mind sharing that with us because maybe yeah. that will help somebody that's listening
2: yeah, they do DBT therapy, which I can't – it's, like, dialectical dialectical behavioral therapy, um, which you can go out and find books on, actually, because, like, even school counselors use these strategies in schools. Um, but it was things like um, when, like, let's say you were feeling your anxiety amp up, like, having phrases that you say to yourself to calm down or um, – knowing, um, like having one trusted adult that you can go and talk to when you have, you know, when things flare up or, um, they did, um, every session started off with like a mindfulness thing. So they were very all about being like aware of all the things that you're feeling when you're starting to feel amped up. Cause I guess, you know, a lot of kids when those sessions would start, they didn't love it. So Mm -hmm. they were having all kinds of feelings. Um, Um, gosh, now I have to think, I mean, a lot of it is very self-reflective, like being able to separate their mood and their emotion from an event. So that way they can, um, identify triggers so that way they can recognize what their triggers are if they happen down the road a bit. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. I mean, it all is, nothing is um, like crazy I never would have thought of. It's all just really good self-care if you think about it. It is lots of mindfulness right. and lots of just being um, really good to yourself and talking to yourself really
1: positively. Yeah. Um, you know. Those basic those basic coping skills that we tend to forget about which now my son is in the second grade and now they're teaching all of that stuff in mm-hmm. school I don't know if your kids had that when they were younger as well but yeah. that, that that was what I was super pumped about I was like I don't care about the math mm-hmm. and the science and all that I'm I'm very happy that they're teaching this mindfulness because that yeah. it's life skills it truly it is. is life skills Now, how about yourself? How are, how are you doing now? And what, what have you done to help yourself through, through this? (sighs) (laughs) She's like, thanks a lot, Jenna. (laughs) Yeah, that's
2: like, well, that's always my downfall anyway, but I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to, I've, I've been getting better about like meditating and mindfulness for my own practice, but, um. I'll be honest, I like ev- I put everything to the side that had anything to do with yeah. me and I was in survival mode because I was still working and work was insane because of that switch to online learning so quickly. So, and I'm the chair of my department, so I had so many responsibilities I had to do for the state even at the drop of a hat. So I was trying to juggle that and juggle Liz's emotional state and juggle Abby still in school because it was still, it was April, May, and June. So, um, I definitely, um, did not do a good job of that. I, um, when the quarantine started, I had done, I had like put some new practices into my routine. Like I started every day out walking the dogs and um like walk them a ton of times in a day which I've never had the time to do and um I was doing yoga and like all of that kind of went to the wayside and and it still is that way to be honest because this summer work has just continued you would think summer wouldn't be like that for an educator but not so much so um and for me the um semester just started this past week so I've been working more I think than I really ever would and still trying to stay super engaged with both the girls and um yeah so I'm not (laughs) I know that I'm not doing a very good job of that I know I'm supposed to (laughs) but
1: I'm not. <laughs> well, I understand though, your, your focus is, uh, there's a little bit of, there's been a shift, you know, yeah. so your focus is elsewhere, okay. um, and understandably so now we hopped right into you telling your story. So we did not talk about who you are and what you do. So, and mm-hmm. you've t- touched on that a little bit. So why don't you go ahead and share with us your background because Kristen is a jack of all trades, um, <laughs> So go ahead and share that with us so that people can get an understanding of what how intense your life is just on a normal day to day.
2: Yeah, well, um, so I am an ed- educator. I've been an educator for 22 years now, um, but right now I teach at the college level, so I'm teaching future teachers. Um, so I'm still teaching, but I'm also the chair of my department, so um, I manage my faculty, my staff, all of our students, but then also with teacher education, there's a certification part of it, so that means a lot of reporting to and adhering to state requirements, and I have to manage all of that, too, so um, I do that, and I am a single parent, too, so, and their dad is not involved, his choice, not mine, um, in their life, so I really do manage all of that myself. So, um, there's that and being an educator and I work at a small private college. So my salary is worse than, or is lower than when it, when I was a classroom teacher, which is insane. So, um, I have to do other things outside of my job to be able to make ends meet. Um, so, well, and I also, I teach extra classes at work to be able to, um, make some extra money there too. But, um, I also have, um, I worked with Jenna to, um, (laughs) develop my psychic gifts, if you will. So, and now what I do is I do readings, I do private readings, um, to help people. And I, that obviously being in teaching, I like helping people. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. really why I went into it. And I like doing it, (laughs) through readings too. So, um, but it's also, uh, you know, another way to just get food on the table and make sure the bills get paid. So yeah, I'm a busy lady.
1: (laughs) And helping people is healing for us as well. Right. So that's, you know, you're talking about what you're doing for yourself and you didn't bring that up. You, you are helping others, which is helping you. Have you found um, Catherine and I have talked about in the past where we find these like synchronicities with our life and our readings, have mm-hmm. you found any of that? Like, have you seen any of these parallels with people struggling with their children or anything like that? I haven't
2: found, I, I think one, one person mentioned something with her child and it definitely was very similar to what Liz was going through, but I have found more people that they were dealing with all the same things mm-hmm. like juggling depression and anxiety. And, and I would hear things that would just, like immediately make my hair stand up on my arms because they would be things that Liz had said. So I definitely was, I have been feeling that um, I feel like when I'm doing readings, I share a lot of myself too, because I just, I've been through it. And I actually did have one person. um, I don't know, maybe a month ago now she wrote me the sweetest note and said in it that I like talking to me prevented her from, killing herself oh, and I wow. like I yeah I mean I like there are no words I can't even put words into that but I, you know seeing Liz in the hospital has really lit a fire under me to um to address mental health I don't know how like I don't know how like literally I was looking at all the nurses and everybody working there and I felt like maybe I need to change jobs. But then I thought, no, because I have so much in student loans, that'd be really stupid to do. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, I was so pumped about like at ad- helping with adolescent mental health or whatever. And then, but I keep hearing it come up more and more for adults in my reading. So I feel like that's my way of, um, of doing something more informally about it I guess but I don't know it's it's definitely that parallel I think because the pandemic and being quarantined like life is just one big fat question mark for everyone and that's hard and not everyone can handle uncertainty well and right you know rightfully so so um so yeah definitely I've seen that synchronicity a lot
1: I was waiting, I was, me and Catherine were doing that thing where we're like, who's who's going to talk? Who's well, gonna- <laughs> you know what
0: is so funny? Every single time I went to open my mouth, Kristen, you either said what I was about to ask you or Jenna, you were already asking the question. So I was like, wow, I'm just going to sit here today. That's new for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: I've been on that side before. I've been
0: on that side. I before. know. I'm I'm just taking it all in. And that question about the synchronicity is exactly where I was going because that's huge. Happens a lot. Yeah. Oddly enough, I was just talking about those synchronicities today. So synchronicity. <laughs> but, right. Yeah, I'm just I'm just taking it all in because I can't imagine being in your shoes and knowing too that So you talk about um, how you're having in your readings coming up. And I didn't know that you were doing those now professionally. So congratulations to you. That's exciting. (laughs) Um, Thank you. You are getting a lot of readings where you're encouraging adults to handle their mental health differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So have um, have you thought about almost, and this is kind of what I'm getting and feel free to be like, Uh, Excuse me. No, thank you. But what I'm getting for you right now is this idea of of reaching out and making yourself available to people who have been through similar things with their children, because I feel like those who are able to more readily express their pain, you'll be able to feel and identify that in yourself, which will help you heal it, too. Um, Mm -hmm. I find with myself. I have an easier time identifying what my emotion is after someone else explains it in their own life in a reading mm-hmm. and I wonder if putting yourself out there like that might be helpful. Don't put too much on your plate obviously no, because you already no, do but
2: Well, that's how I roll though. I don't know. I just, same. I'm like a glutton for punishment. I don't know what it is. But <laughs> No, I have been thinking about that and it's funny cuz um when I when she was still in the hospital I asked about like a parent support group. Yeah and they said oh yeah we have one and there it's a once a month 1 hour once a month and i you know i've been i just had my last one just the other day and i don't know that i am getting so much from it but yeah. i also like i don't even get the chance to speak all the time because there are other people who are speaking so much and i i have been trying to wrestle with that idea of like how how can i be more of a support or how can it how can I um just help more people who are in the same boat I haven't figured out how so I'm open to any and all ideas
0: I think part of it too is just asking spirit to bring them to you which could Mm -hmm. be the most woo-woo thing I've said on the show so far but ask them (laughs) to come and they will they really will because uh, how many days ago was it just a few days ago jenna and i did our our, only our second um group gathering for our monthly readings with our with our patreon um tiers and jenna wrote a really beautiful sentiment on social media about how we had this group this past week that was able to speak from this incredibly raw and vulnerable place and share with each other and feel supported and i feel like And it was all women just saying, what did we talked about this time? What is it we need help with? What do we need support with? How do we be there for each other? And I I almost wonder if something like that is kind of what the avenue would be, like a a weekly or biweekly even, probably biweekly. We're all very busy people, right? But a Mm -hmm. biweekly check-in, how do you need support? What's going on in your life? And it's not even always about the aftermath of your child's suicide attempt, it could be more even about this is stressing me out today and mental health never even comes up, but you're helping each other take that load off because no Mm -hmm. one's there for you to take that load off. And even when you have yourself checking in mentally, you could, I mean, Reiki cleanse yourself or have that kind of thing done. If you're not actively letting other people help with your burdens, you're still carrying it all on your own. Mm-hmm. You're a very aware, mother. You're not trying to pass that off onto your children or ask them to help you in your coping. So instead, like, it all sits on your chest, and it's it's like I feel like I can't breathe connecting to your energy, even though you didn't ask me to, and I know I'm breaking the rules there. <laughs> but I, I feel that tension, and we'll it will break up. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> it's about as badass as I get. I'm going to be really honest, <laughs> but you. I think that having that, that ability to organize it and get those people together and asking them to be led to you would be a really powerful experience. And I, I'm thinking off the top of my head, how many people I already know who might need something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It might yeah. Be.
1: And Kristen is 100% a facilitator. Like you that's are, her, yeah. her thing, man. She is, she's a rock star when it comes to that. So yeah, I think, I think that that's it. Call it in, call it in. But today, while we have you on this platform, um, if there was something that you could share I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm really good at doing this. I apologize. Um, (laughs) There's something that you could share with other parents or even other educators, because you have that perspective of it too. Mm -hmm. I know this situation was your own daughter, but I'm sure you've seen your students struggle Mm -hmm. from time to time as well. Um, What's something that, you know, you would offer somebody that thinks that they have somebody in their life that's struggling and doesn't really know where to turn next? Right. I think, um, I think reaching out for help quickly is
2: probably really important. I don't, I don't know that I wouldn't say that I didn't because I have Liz in therapy early, but it wasn't the best and she wasn't getting anything out of it. And I wish now that I would have recognized that, like, I wish I would have, um, as surprising as it is, she does better in group therapy than she does one-on-one and as quiet as she is. But I, th- I wish that, um, you know, that's something that I would, would have pursued. So, I mean, it's, it's with my teacher head, it's actually a little bit easier because for me on campus, I can call the um, counseling center and say, I'm worried about this kid. And I can get, you know, the dean of um, student life involved and they can do check-ins and get them help. But I think it's harder when it's, um, you know, it's just like a mom and her kid and um, you don't really know what resources there are out there. So um, I would say, geez, I don't know, (laughs) I guess I (laughs) would just say, ask, like, use your network and ask, because chances are someone else has dealt with something along the same lines, you know, and just ask and see, um, you know, what other people have done. I will, though, put like an asterisk on that. One of my biggest issues, and in terms of speaking about mental health just in general is that I hate how stigmatized stigmatizing is that the right word it is um, like for myself I've spoken with people at work about my own depression and they don't engage in conversation about it because they either don't believe it because I hide it really well and I'm like I'm the boss I get it all done and they know that and so they're like yeah whatever or there are people who believe because they can't see it it's not a thing or Mm -hmm. they're uncomfortable they don't know what to say so they say nothing and it has for years made me so self-conscious like I didn't want anybody to know about it but that's stupid Mm -hmm. like if I had I don't know kidney disease, I don't know where I got that, but if I had kidney disease, I wouldn't feel ashamed sharing that. Right. So like, why should I feel ashamed that I have a medical issue? So that has been on my mind a lot. And now with going through this with her, I have been like, I've blogged about it. I've talked a lot about it because I just feel like it has to be more normalized because I, I think that's probably one of the biggest barriers people might have to seeking out help. Like they feel embarrassed. So right yeah that's also on my plate of I want to do something about that too what it is I have no idea
1: <laughs> you'll get there you'll get there
0: it will come to you in divine timing right um yeah you absolutely I thank you for saying that so blatantly too it's stupid it's so it is stupid, stupid isn't it it's so mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah, yep. I feel you on that one. I would get that a lot as well. What do you have in your life to be so worried about? I'm like, yep. hold the microphone. Yep. Yep. Just because you're bubbly doesn't mean you don't have demons too. I feel you. Just because right. you're in charge doesn't mean, and don't they always say, it's the people you least expect to be struggling. It, always it is. really is. Always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. It's unfortunate. And I'm. I think conversations like this are so important to open up pathway for people to feel Mm -hmm. more um, confident in in talking about this, because it is stupid. It is flat out stupid. I'm glad you're being vocal about it.
2: Thanks. I think, you know, the first time it hit me, my ex-husband was in the Army, so I was an Army wife. And um, after I had my younger daughter, I had postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. bad, and The army doctors were not cool about it. My husband wasn't cool about it. None of the other army wives were cool. Like nobody was cool about it. And that was the first time it really hit me. And I didn't even know that people were talking about it then. I mean, that was, you know, 11 years ago now, but that's when it hit me. Like I have to hide it. Like it's something to be ashamed of, but that's stupid. There is nothing that I didn't do anything to make myself feel that way. And, but even if I did, like, it's still something in my brain. I can't help it. The very first time, I've struggled on and off with depression for years. And one of the first times I struggled with it, my mom actually was like, well, why are you upset? And I said, "Um, it's not really being upset, mom. Like, nothing happened. And she insisted that it had to be, like, due to something. And she still to this day will ask, like, oh, you're still on that medication? Well, what's up? What's upsetting you now? What's bothering you now? Oh, my gosh. You just don't get it. So, right. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is why it's so important for us to be supportive of everybody mm-hmm. because you never have any idea what people are facing, right. whether they've gone through something something traumatic or maybe they haven't. And it's just this internal battle that is brewing and they Mm -hmm. don't know how to handle it either. So being kind and being supportive and just offering an ear is huge. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's huge. It's okay to
0: just be quiet. If you don't know what to say too, I think that's important to realize because you were talking about how people sometimes don't even know what to say, or they say something ridiculous instead right Mm -hmm. and for me for me i can usually say okay i know they're trying but not all the time right Mm -hmm. so it's okay to give like an awkward shoulder squeeze and just be like you know what it is it's saying i may not understand but i'm trying Mm -hmm. and i think that's such a big deal i don't get it but i want to so can you share with me because Mm -hmm. without that the conversation ends right so either be quiet if you don't understand or mm-hmm. just offer that up. You don't understand. It's okay. Right. Every,
2: right. You can still care about somebody and support them if
1: you exactly. don't understand
0: what it is that they're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Oh my goodness. I agree.
1: Thank you so much for just bringing awareness to this situation and, and being so vulnerable and sharing your Mm -hmm. story and what you guys went through Um, you and I are good friends. And so Mm -hmm. I was there, I wasn't there, but you know, I was walking alongside you as you went through this. And Mm -hmm. I was that one that I didn't know what to say, but I'm like, like, I'm here, Mm -hmm. I'm here, but I don't know what to offer you. Um, And from the start of everything, you were always just so brave and, and honest. And you might, you might not have seen that in yourself in the time, but I just want to tell you from somebody from the outside looking in, you you really just stepped into like your superhero mom mode (laughs) and you did exactly what you felt you needed to do. Even if that felt like at times you didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, so thank you for being brave and setting a beautiful example for other moms and other people that are struggling with these types of situations and coming on here and sharing this for all of us. We appreciate you.
0: Thanks for that. Thank (laughs) you. And you know what? To wrap up, we're actually going to remember this two weeks in a row. We do want to thank our existing patrons, Katie Nicholson, Chelsea Iyer, Janet Adams, Amy Danahy, Katie Duvetter, and Reese, also known as Rue on our roster. We don't know what your real name is, but we love you. <laughs> um, and <laughs> if you guys are so interested in joining the conversation on our um, with our other patrons that we mentioned earlier, where we share love and support and some psychic guidance along the way that is our patron tier sharing the light that is only ten dollars a month and there are six spots left there we also have a healing with reiki monthly membership healing with spirit which is a one-on-one 45 minute reading with either jenna or myself and our vip patron tier which will be published later next month um i just (laughs) like to talk like that so I like yeah, that. I like you. That. you
1: needed a sound effect. There. Thank please you put so that much. In. Yeah. We got to get on
0: some little sound boards or something. Right. All right. Well, again, if you feel that you need any help or support or feel that you have any suicidal thoughts or thoughts of self-harm or anything like that, that um, does that just feels off, please reach out to someone for help. There are Hundreds of support groups. We will post the National Suicide Prevention phone number hotline here as well. And we will also link everything to um, Kristen's blog and website so that you can keep up with her and her life because she is a beautiful writer and has a, a really wonderful way of conveying her messages in the written form. So thank you again, Kristen, for being on here. And we will catch you all next time on Project Healing.